Happy New Year. <laughs> I was chatting with someone at church recently. He teaches at MSU, and I asked him how the school year was going. He said it was sure going a lot better than it was during the time of COVID. He also noted that there were many more students than in years past that were expressing anxiety about the future. I remarked that that should make sharing Christ easier because Jesus is a great anxiety reducer. How does Jesus reduce our anxiety? One way he reduces our anxiety is by telling us how Earth's history will end. It's a little like when I want to see a particular football game on TV, but have a previous commitment. So I record the game on my VCR. But before I can watch it, I happen to hear that our team won the game. Then, when I watch the recording, I react very differently if my team fumbles or throws an interception. Knowing the outcome in advance greatly changes my response to the game. God knows how Earth's history is ultimately going to turn out. So as we read what God says about the future, we can respond very differently when we hear the news or get re election results. We may be sad, disappointed, even angry, but we don't have to worry or be anxious like those who don't believe in a God who loves us and who tells us how it will all end. Listen to what the Bible says about God knowing the future. Everything I prophesied has come true, and now I will prophesy again. I will tell you the future before it happens. Only I can tell you what is going to happen even before it happens. Everything I plan will come to pass. How does God know the future? That's not a question I can answer. But there are many biblical examples of God telling us what will happen in the future, hundreds of years in advance. And then it happens just as he said it would. If you're interested in studying more specifics of biblical prophecy, I would recommend reading chapters 9 and 11 of Josh McDowell's evidence that demands a verdict. You should find copies of it in our church library. What are some of the prophecies about how Earth's history will end? Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, the home of God is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will remove all their sorrows and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain for the old world and its evils are gone forever. But aren't there some bad things that are going to happen before God sets everything right? Yes, but he told us about those events as well. He knows all about the future. Nothing that happens surprises him. The nations and kingdoms will proclaim war against each other. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But all this will 
be only the beginning of the horrors to come. Then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You will be hated all over the world because of your allegiance to me. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and will lead many people astray. Sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold. But those who endure to the end will be saved. And the good news of the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all the nations will hear it. And then, finally, the end will come. Knowing good things are coming after the hard times gives us hope. How important is it to have hope? There was a sign in a rehabilitation facility that read, you need three things to make life worth living. One, meaningful things to do. Two, loving relationships to enjoy. And three, hope of good things to come. As we age, some of us lack the health and energy to do the meaningful things we used to do. Loving relationships can also be diminished as we age. We lose loved ones and sometimes experience diminished hearing and sight, making communications difficult. But no matter our age, Christians can have an increasing abundance of hope. What is biblical hope? To best understand what the Bible means by hope, it's good to start by understanding what the Bible means by faith. Faith in general means trust or confidence in someone or something. If I have faith that flying an airplane is safe, I might buy a ticket and fly somewhere without fear. Biblical faith starts with trust and confidence in God's existence and that he will do what he says he will do. What is hope? Generally, hope is defined as the joyous and confident expectation of future good. What is biblical hope? Biblical hope is confidence that what God promises concerning the future will happen just as he says it will. How do biblical faith and biblical hope differ? Biblical faith is the confidence you have that what God promises is a sure thing, that you can count on it 100%. Biblical hope is the sure thing itself. Biblical faith results in biblical hope. The Bible says it this way. What is faith? It is the confident assurance that what we hope for is going to happen. God not only knows what will happen in the future, he knows all about us and our hopes and desires. I'm convinced that God helped us develop many of those desires through the conscience he gave us. Do you desire that there be life after physical death? God helped you develop that desire and rewards your desire by giving you hope as you trust Jesus when he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live even though he dies. Do you desire that God loves you in spite of your sins and shortcomings? God helped develop that desire in you and rewards your desire by giving you hope as you trust the promise 
For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Do you desire to be more loving? God helped develop that desire and rewards your desire as you respond in hope and love to biblical words like, we know what real love is because Christ gave up his life for us. And so we ought to give up our lives for our Christian brothers and sisters. Or these verses, what is real love? It is not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sin. Dear brothers and sisters, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. Do you desire inner peace in the midst of the world's conflicts? God helped develop that desire and reward your desire by giving you hope as you trust Jesus' words, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. The world seems so hopeless, and apart from God and his promises, we would become hopeless. Henry David Thoreau said, most people live lives of quiet desperation. I've always thought that Thoreau's statement was an exaggeration, probably for several reasons. One, I was born an optimist, not a pessimist. Two, I helped raise four children, and between changing diapers and earning a living, I was usually too busy to think too deeply about the world's problems. And finally, I've been a Christian most of my life, and I've forgotten what it's like to live without Christian hope. But the world's problems can eat away at our hope, and the world cries out for our attention. It is hard to ignore the shouts of the bad things happening in this world as you listen to the news. News broadcasts easily lead to anxiety. Here are some of the things that rightly cause people to be anxious. The thought of dying. Isn't that something that should cause us to be anxious? But we remember the words of the Apostle Paul. Dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to believers who have died so that you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. Suffering in the world, isn't that something that should cause us anxiety? The Bible gives the following advice to Christians as we face the suffering that, we, that is going to happen before Jesus returns. But let us who live in the light think clearly. Protected by the body armor of faith and love and wearing as a helmet the hope of our salvation. For God decided to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us, he died for us so that we can live for him, with him forever, whether we are dead or alive at the time of his return. 
So encourage each other and build each other up, just as you are already doing. What about the rise in Earth's temperature? Isn't that something we should be concerned about and be anxious about? But God knew it would happen. The present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare or burned up. But God has a plan for a new heaven and a new earth. That doesn't mean we shouldn't do all we can to reduce temperature rise on earth. We have been commissioned by God to be good stewards of the earth. But God will ultimately make things right so we can temper our anxiety with hope. A new heaven and a new earth are on the horizon. Biblical hope is part of a Christian's worldview. We are to live in hope. How can we increase our hope? To be a more hopeful Christian, we need to stop being a fearful and anxious Christian. But how do we do that? The biblical answer to how to stop being one kind of person is to start being another kind of person. The Apostle Paul illustrates this in Ephesians. How do you stop being a thief, for example? Just stop stealing? No, then you're just an unemployed thief. <laughs> a person stops being a thief when he becomes someone else, a hardworking, generous person. As Ephesians 4.28 says, if you're a thief, stop stealing. Begin using your hands for honest work and then give generously to others in need. Or another example, how does a person stop using foul language? Tape his mouth shut? No, then he is still thinking foul language. He must start saying good and helpful things. As it says in Ephesians 4.29, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. So how do you stop being an anxious and fearful Christian? You have to start being a hopeful Christian. And how do you do that? I have found that I can only have one emotional focus at a time. Our eyes illustrate the same principle in the physical realm. If I focus on the people in the front row, then the people in the back row become blurry. If I focus on the people in the back row, the people in the front row become blurry. I can only focus on one thing at a time. The same is true with focusing on Jesus and the promises of the Bible versus focusing on the world. I can only focus on one at a time. When I focus on God and his promises for the future, I'm hopeful. When I focus on the world and its problems, I'm fearful. So how do I keep focus my focus on, the, on God and his promises. This is what's been helpful for me. I have to change some of my habits. I can no longer watch, particularly for extended periods, 24-hour cable news like CNN or Fox or MSNBC. 
I inver it invariably causes me to focus on the world and become anxious or angry. I want to stay informed about what's happening in the world, but I don't want that to be my focus. So I read summaries of the news or listen to news briefs on the radio. If I start becoming anxious or angry, I know I'm, not, I'm focusing too much on the world and not enough on God and his promises. Let the world worry about the world. I also try harder to avoid conversations that involve negativity, whether about politics, world events, or talking negatively about people. If I start feeling angry, anxious, or guilty, I try to change the subject to something that is edifying. And I might add, it's two step forward and one step back for me. If it doesn't pass the Philippians 4.8 test, I try to avoid it. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right. Think about things that are pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. I want to focus, I want my focus to be on Jesus and the promises in God's word. Hope increases as our faith, that is our trust in God and his promises increases. And our faith increases as we get to know Jesus, as we get to know God better through his image bearer, Jesus. As the Apostle Paul explains, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. As we study the Bible and interact with other Christians about biblical truth, our knowledge of Jesus and the promises of God increases. And as our knowledge increases, so does our hope, especially in trying times. Paul explains it this way, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. How hopeful, that is full of hope, am I as 2024 dawns? Are the, problem, are the promises of scripture dissolving the anxieties of the world's problems? Let's look at a few more of God's promises. I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Or this promise from Jesus that was read as our scripture reading. Do not let your hearts be distressed. You believe in God, believe also in me. There are many dwelling places in my father's house. Otherwise, I would have told you because I'm going away to make ready a place for you. And if I go and make ready a place for you, I will come again and take you to be with me so that where I am, you may be too. Or one more of God's promises. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never forsake you. 
I've lived most of my life with Jesus. He has never failed me or forsaken me. Even the last five years of Judy's battle with Parkinson's, Jesus was closer than ever. He was especially close to Judy as well. Uh, I think of the verse, God gives his beloved sleep. The, the last month or two of Judy's life, she could sleep so incredibly well. And it was a blissful sleep. Toward the end, the, the hospice nurse gave me uh, morphine to give her if needed. She never needed it. She just rested and slept so blissfully. God never disappoints. God's promises produce great hope. Since we have this hope, what should we do in a world that seems so hopeless? Here's what scripture says we should do. And this gospel of God's coming reign will be preached to the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Jesus encourages us to share the good news of God's coming reign. The world needs hope more than ever, and we have that hope in Jesus. May 2024 be the greatest year yet of sharing the hope which the good news about Jesus brings. Let's pray. Father, help us exhibit hope in a world that seems so hopeless at times. Help us be excited to share Jesus with those who need hope desperately. And help us focus on your promises and less on the world's problems so our hope does not diminish. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.